Welcome, friends, to my Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chu, and each episode is designed to build your faith and help you discover your purpose in life. Now, enjoy today's message. Introduction As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on the earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. 1 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. King David is near death and says to his son Solomon, I'm going where everyone on the earth must someday go. Take courage. Be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Imagine, if you will, the sobering scene from this scripture. There is King David approaching death and perhaps the greatest king of Israel ever. Not a perfect king, but one that God called a man after his own heart in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. His life was a fantastic story of highs and lows, full of twists and turns, great victories and stunning defeats. At times, King David was a stalwart man of integrity and at others, a shameful example of the worst of evil in man. King David is about to breathe his last breath and as a father who loves his son and a king who loves his people, he is eager to give Solomon the best, the last piece of advice that he can. If you've ever been at the bedside of someone you love during these last moments, you know that those can be memorable moments of sadness and grief. But this is also a time of reflection, love, and gratitude. Solomon is probably feeling many emotions at this moment. He is upset that his father is near death, sobered by the knowledge that he's about to take on the massive responsibility of ruling Israel and uncertain about the future he is about to face. Solomon was young when he inherited his father's throne, but he knew that wisdom was priceless. I can imagine Solomon is completely focused on what David is about to say. David then proceeds to give him perhaps the best advice ever given to a new ruler. He says, Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. I like how David challenges his son Solomon to be a man. Other translations say, act like a man. Prove yourself a man. Become a man. My modern day translation is, a real man. This is my challenge to all men, including myself. 
David knows from personal experience that if you follow God, things will go well. If you don't, things fall apart. We know that Solomon did a good job of heeding his father's advice for a little while and did very well. Solomon had plenty of self-inflicted problems later, but that doesn't negate the fact that David's advice was sound and benefited Solomon when he followed it. God spoke to me through this narrative of David and Solomon. This caused me to reflect on my own life experiences. I've spent a lot of time thinking, praying, and studying men's current issues in our world today. My father was a good man, but not a devoted, godly man. He did his best to give me good advice, but he didn't teach me godly principles. His best advice for my life was, get an education, work hard, and stay out of trouble. That was good sound advice, but it falls short. I needed more if I was going to be the complete man God designed me to be. Women are also absolutely crucial to our families, society, and the world. I will touch on what God says about women, but my main focus will be on what I've learned and experienced about problems men are facing today. Women, you will receive valuable insights about men as we unfold God's plan and role for men on the earth. Marriages and families in the United States and around the world are under attack. Here are just a few eye-opening statistics from various sources. In the United States, there is one divorce approximately every 30 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces per day. 16,800 divorces per week. And 876,000 divorces a year. The average length of a first marriage that ends in divorce is eight years. The probability of a first marriage ending in separation or divorce in the first five years is 20%. In 10 years, it is 33%. The average age for couples going through divorce is 30 years old. The enemy in this world wants to destroy the traditional family. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's in John 10.10. 10. God desires for our families and marriages to be full of life. The family is the foundation of our culture. It is God's invention created for His kingdom purposes and for our good. The enemy knows that if he can destroy the foundation, he can bring the whole family structure down. A key to the destruction of the foundation is to weaken or diminish the husband's and father's role. Without the solid foundation of the man in the home, the whole structure is compromised. It is at risk of failure, bringing all the long-term negative impacts associated with it. Divorce disadvantaged children, poverty, and lack of opportunity. Melissa and I met in church in 2002, got married in 2004, and we have three amazing daughters. Much of what I will discuss is a culmination of lessons I've learned from my own mistakes and victories in marriage. We don't have a perfect marriage, but together we strive to get better with God's grace.
in the early years of my marriage, I started to become critical towards my wife and children. I often questioned what was wrong with them. God then challenged me and said, the problem was not with them. I was the problem. My first reaction was, who, me? I'm a man of God and a minister of the gospel. God let me vent my feelings for a few moments. He told me that I was not a real man and hindering the growth of my family. I quickly repented and asked my family to forgive me for not being a godly husband and father. God then revealed five essential principles, characteristics, and roles of a real man, all found in Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. Number one, God. Number two, work. Number three, cultivate. Number four, protect. Number five, Bible. These five essential principles of a real man are crucial for every man who has made mistakes and desires to be a better husband or parent. They are crucial for every wife who is praying for her husband to become a godly man. They are crucial for every man or woman preparing for marriage. I'm writing this book with biblical principles and my perspective as a man, husband, and father. These are essential principles that I wish I learned in seminary or during premarital counseling. I'm convinced that I would have been better prepared for marriage. You must believe we serve a God of forgiveness, restoration, and healing. Even if your marriage is going through difficult times or you've been through a divorce, whatever your current situation is, just know that God can help you. My prayer is that this book will help build strong and healthy families, strengthen the local church, expand God's kingdom in the earth, and bring God glory. Men, be continually striving to grow in each area and become the real man that God created you to be. Women, don't settle for anything less than a real man. Before we dive into the five essentials of a real man, let's discuss... Number one, money, sex, and religion. Number two, men, you are important. Three, the modern day man. Money, sex, and religion. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Amos 2 and verse 3. What are the big three areas of conflict or arguments in a marriage? Over the years in counseling men, participating in marriage groups, and my personal life, I've concluded that money, sex, and religion are at the top of the list for discussion. Whole books have been written on these emotionally charged topics beyond the scope of my intent for this book. It's safe to say that it's better to be aware of their potential for harm than to ignore them. Throughout this book, I will refer to this sensitive and important topic as the Big Three. I want to talk about this first because this seems to be a common topic of discussion with single and married people. My wife says that communication should be added to this list, but I say that it's the communication about money, sex, and religion that leads to intense discussions 
Okay, let's break this down. Money. The pressure of not having enough money, being in debt, or different ideas on managing the family finances can cause tension and strife in a marriage. Maybe one or both spouses are irresponsible in their spending. Regardless of the situation, discussing money does not have to be a marriage problem if both spouses are willing to communicate. A man will take it very personally when he feels the pressure of not providing for his family. In Genesis 2 verse 7, we know that man was formed from the dust of the ground. The woman was made from the rib from the man in Genesis 2 verse 22. So from the beginning, we see that the man gave and provided for the woman. That is why a man can feel frustrated or insecure if he does not fulfill his provider's role. God wants us to be a good steward of our finances. Money is just a tool that we use, but we cannot let money control us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. We can get ourselves into trouble when we covet what other people have and spend beyond our means. The Bible says in Exodus 20 and verse 17, You must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, or ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Husbands and wives must sit down together, pray, and have discussions about money. Seek the advice of experts in the financial world. In 2008, I remember being frustrated with our financial situation. Money was a hot topic in our family. I did my best to avoid the discussion. I cried out to God for help. God, we need more money. But God spoke very clearly and said, Brian, you're not faithful with the money you have now. Why would I give you more? The Bible says in Luke 16 and verse 10, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. I sought out the advice from two friends who were very successful in finances and investments. And I asked them for their help. I took their advice and they helped put our family on the right path in our finances. Today, we are doing much better, thanks to their advice. We still have a long way to go, but the discussion of money is not as difficult as it once was in our marriage. Sex. Single men are excited to get married because they want to have sex. When they get married, they may discover their wife may not meet their expectations. The reality and busyness of life work, and children can get in the way of a married couple's sex life. It's essential to discuss before marriage and during marriage each one's desire and expectations. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 verses 3 through 5, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. 
Afterward, you should come together so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I find it more common that men feel unsatisfied because of their sexual needs are not fulfilled. Unfortunately, this can sometimes lead a man to falling into the sin of pornography and adultery. Just to be clear, I'm not blaming the wife because the man is still responsible for giving in to the temptation. Pornography and adultery are wrong, but our actions can harm others. That's why it is essential to have discussions with your spouse about sex. Are you fulfilling each other's needs? Physically, there are some fundamental differences between men and women. God formed the man from the dust of the ground, as it says in Genesis 2 verse 7. The woman did not come from the dirt like Adam. God made the woman from the rib from the man in Genesis 2 verse 22. The word made there means fashion, and in the Hebrew language it means construct. God made some adjustments to the woman's body. He made the woman look good to the man. That's why when I give counsel to married men, I tell them God has given them a wife to look at. There's no need to look at another woman on the internet or at their workplace. The man's body is designed to give, and a woman's body is designed to receive. That's why when a man and woman have intimacy, they can produce a baby. It's impossible physically for two men or two women to produce a baby. I also encourage married men that God has given you a wife to have sex with. You don't need to commit adultery. Men in general, by God's design, want to have sex regularly because he's a giver. Women in general enjoy sex but don't need it like men. Women need affection. Men, if you are smart, you will give your wife the affection she needs. Women should learn to fulfill their husband's needs for sex. Religion. The final topic of the big three is religion. Before a man and woman get married, it's important to discuss and understand one another's faith, theology, spiritual disciplines, and preferences in church. If you are married, it's important to pray, worship, study the Bible, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in resolving any disagreements. I frequently meet married couples with one spouse who grew up in a particular denomination and another spouse who prefers another denomination. It becomes a source of tension on where to go to church. Arguments occur when there are differences in core biblical beliefs and interpretations. If these discussions are not settled before marriage, they will only amplify during marriage. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10-13, through 13, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul?
Summary of Chapter 1 Money, Sex, and Religion Money, sex, and religion are often common topics that can lead to strife and tension in a marriage. God wants us to be a good steward of our finances. Money is just a tool that we use, but we cannot let money control us. The reality and busyness of life, work, and children can get in the way of a married couple's sex life. Before a man and woman get married, it's important to discuss and understand one another's faith, theology, spiritual disciplines, and preferences in church. It's important to have open and honest communication on money, sex, and religion. Thank you, friend, for listening to my Discipleship Podcast. You can visit my website and send me your prayer requests and feedback. And to get more of my discipleship resources, visit our website at www.nowhope.org. Until next time, I pray that you will stand strong in your faith.